Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. Well, so then what leads you into the banking industry? And the reason why I, I ask is like this stuff, that stuff fascinates me. Like, like I, I'm, I, I'm don't claim to be like, I'm not sitting there reading balance sheets and stuff like that, but I'm saying like, I'm familiar with investments. I have investments and in things. I, I, I read, um, certain financial things that I, that I get it. It, it, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying that I even understand everything that I'm reading, but I understand it enough to where when you were on Dan's podcast and you're talking about it, I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I get what he's saying. I get, you know, so how does that come about? Because I know that you have been, it's, it's something that you got into and you've obviously been in the field for a while. It's obviously something that you've found that has kept your interest. Yeah, I've been uh, a registered investment advisor now for, I think, 28 years, so a long time. And I originally got into it. I, you know, the story would really start with working in a completely different industry and being offered a chance to, uh, to transfer uh, to Arizona, work for a company in the medical field in, in Arizona. And shortly after I made that transfer, that company sold its Arizona operations to a competitor. And they gave me the choice of staying with the new acquiring company or taking um, severance and doing, you know, whatever I wanted, like that six month severance. And I didn't want to be in the medical field anymore. So uh, I took the six month severance. And in that time, someone had told me that I'd be good at this other stuff. And they gave me the study material for the Series 7 examination. And I, uh, I, I, I just went down that path. And, and I, I fought my way into the business uh, in a very uh, DIY kind of way and climbed my way to, uh, to the position I'm in now. So using, I'm saying what you had sort of been, like what you had figured out fumbling around in the dark you kind of use that to then do this other career. Yeah, I've been using that same know-how since I was about six years old. That's awesome. That is that is that is awesome. What what is it? What is it that keeps you in this? Just because I actually have another question about this later, but I'll, I'll just bring it up now. I I remember reading something that you said in a um, it was in Double Cross, and it was something about the effect of. You're into the idea of 
burning the whole house down just to keep yourself warm. And I remember just thinking, like, that is beautiful. I love the way that he said that. It also reminded me of, I guess it's that Marx Brothers quote of, I never want to be a part of a club that would have someone like me for a member. Right. What is what has kept you in in this? Well, I think that comment that I made in Double Cross, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I, I think that it was more or less a confession that there's an element of self-destructiveness to the way that I've gone through life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that for immediate gratification. I might do things that are, uh, you know, are not advisable long term, and uh, you know, my my youth was definitely plagued by decisions like that. That is no that that it's it's just I don't know what I love is the idea that whole self realization aspect of the fact that you realize this, and you know you. I don't know, I think a big part of punk rock is that self-destruct... I mean, that, that's actually something that's kind of always sort of turned me away from punk rock a little bit, just that self-destructive, like, oh, you know, you need to kind of, you know, be doing that. But you were able to kind of, I don't know, like, you kind of got close to the self-destructive flame, but then were also able to pull yourself back. I, I think that says a lot about your your self-control, too. Thanks, thanks. I, I, you know, I've, uh, I've, um, you know, they say that luck is the residue of design, and you know, so I don't know if that means I've had a lot of design or a lot of luck, but either way, it, you know, it turned out okay. Well, I remember Doc telling me years ago. He was, he basically, he was saying that like. He was talking about you, and he was talking about your, well, you know, you in the office, and and he was just saying that like the people in the office, and I forget where this was, they they seem to really kind of appreciate you, like just appreciate your, I don't know, zany isn't the word. They just appreciated how you were coming at this with that DIY mindset, and you weren't afraid to be yourself amidst this whole different world of banking and whatnot, but. Well. I think there's no doubt about it. I think that um, I've always been a certain person, whether it was when I was doing Think Fanzine or New Beginning Records or in Half Off, surrounded by a bunch of peer bands that you know had X's on their hands or when I was uh, starting off as a financial advisor for, you know, a Wall Street firm and not necessarily fitting in. I've, I've always been exactly who I am. And uh, I think the only thing that's changed is I've become less and less afraid of being who I am. That, I think, is something that people would like to be able to say. Like, you know, I, I think more people, especially more people that I know, would like to be able to say that. As they get older, because I think well, that that dovetails with the burning down the house to keep yourself warm. You know, you have to find a way to be who you are, but not to the point that you are cancerous and you annoy the fuck out of everyone that you uh, that you come in contact with. And uh, yeah, that's you know, hopefully everyone figures that out. Well, do you miss? playing in bands at all do do you like and the only reason that i bring that up is 
Um, the main places I've seen you since, you know, uh, early to mid-90s have been uh, shows. Um, and I, I just wonder if, like, when you go to those, do you miss it at all? Or is, is it something that you ever think about doing now? Or is it just, is it you, you, you have a respect for the fact that you did it, but you are where you are now, and that's fine, too? Yeah, I just saw live music last night, and so I, I still like live music. I like the vibe. I like looking at the stage and thinking about how everything's wired together and, you know, why they chose to do whatever they're doing and the set list and, you know, all that stuff. I still really, really, really enjoy all of that. But me doing it? No. If, uh, if there was a band practice... You know, and it was, you know, private and, you know, someone put the mic down and, you know, and I could pick it up and, and sing. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun to do with, you know, with people that I know. Um, but performing live, I really, really, really don't like. Um, I was looking at a picture recently. And did you uh, feel that way even back then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, but tell me, tell me about this, this uh, picture. Yeah, so that is actually the what I was going to tell you about the picture is very much how I feel about back then. It got to a point, you know, so like, for instance, I, I might have told this story uh, in another forum before. Um, Half Off was playing a show. Uh, we were going to play the song Shoot Guns, Eat Pussy, which was a satirical song that was supposed to be about, essentially about idiots. And... Um, you know, people who are obsessed with the female anatomy and guns. Right. And um, I I remember being on stage and some uh, some person in the audience, a female, grabbed my uh, my shoe and said, play shoot guns, eat pussy. And I thought to myself, why do you want, you know, like, why would you want us to play that? You, you know, it, it didn't, you know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I saw this picture recently of, um, you know, nameless punk rock singer, straight edge band singer holding a microphone out to the audience. And there were like 10 kids all around this microphone with it really close to their mouth, really, you know, wanting to get that microphone into their mouth as close as they could. And I, I looked at that and I thought there's like a weird homosexual eroticism to to that that scene that there are all these you know young kids that really want to get this thing in their mouth and it, so there's like this homoerotic aspect to that then there's another aspect where it looks like a mother bird feeding a bunch of baby birds that are just dying to get you know the nourishment that comes out of that and. I, I hate to uh, get too deep in this, but if that is nourishment, you know, what, what is in it for the people that want to sing along to it? Why are they so determined to be able to express themselves by singing someone else's words? I and, never thought about that. That is and, a great question. And, and what, you know, what, what do the words actually mean? And why did we, uh, you know, I'm talking about myself here, why did I have so much angst 
so much anger. What was I so mad about? And while there's no doubt there were positive aspects to punk rock, you know, maybe what I really needed to do was find another way to process my anger and realize that some of it was incredibly misdirected. Um, and I, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade about their positive feelings about the their involvement with punk rock and, and what it taught them and the, the great aspects of it. I mean, I, there's no disputing those things. But for me, I think that some of the lessons I've had to learn in life, I was actually unlearning a false belief that I was somehow entitled to an inflated opinion or a, a, an expertise on something related to the world when I never had really considered other people's points of view. I just felt really empowered with my own. And so then there are all these little baby birds with the microphone, you know, here, you can sing my words and justify my, my beliefs because if you feel passionate about it like I do, then you're reinforcing that, you know, what I'm saying is, is worthwhile. And uh, I don't know. Well, it, there's another aspect of the whole baby bird thing too is I think it really is similar to what happens now with someone making a post on social media like Instagram. Yep. You get likes. Well, if I get the singer to give me the microphone so that I can sing backup vocals, is that like my little burst of fame? And does it somehow validate me as well as validate the singer? Just like if I post something on social media and I get, uh, you know, people to like it. I don't know. It's all, I, I don't know anything about psychology, but it seems like a lot of this stuff is all intertwined. Well, you know, going back to the whole intertwined aspect of it. So, you know, you have the person holding out the mic, the whole baby, baby bird thing. And these people love these songs, you know, and we love them and we sing them. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I get into it too. Um, however, um, it is, it's interesting because within that scene, um, it kind of works against itself. Because one thing, and this was very big in like the mid-90s, you'd have these bands, even into like the late 90s, and I don't know if it's the same anymore. I, I, I think it's changed and so much from, from what I've seen that I don't think that it matters as much. But it used to be, if you were a hardcore band, you were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The minute that you went outside of your scene, the scene that you were being the person feeding the baby birds, those baby birds went away because you were now sharing what was supposed to be this thing. And so you could only get so big and it was kind of working against itself. And, and, and that is something that I, and I'm, maybe you thought, of it, thought, thought about it too, I never understood that aspect of it either just because the way I also saw it was, well, we're all sort of friends like, I would want my friends to do well. I wasn't going to hold it against them if they were to get bigger. And so, but the aspect of singing somebody else's words, that is, yeah, that you really, you really, really hit on something there. Because I never thought about it that way. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, Billy, I'm telling you, well, that's the thing is, number one, I think you've already started the lyrics for whatever song, if you should you ever do another song, I think you've got lyrics or a poem or whatever, um, but, so you would do a practice, like, you would do, like, a fun practice, like, if you happen to be at, like, a band practice and whatnot, you would, you would do that. 
Yeah, let's say that, uh, you know, instead was practicing, they were going to do a reunion. And Kevin, and I happened to be there just to check them out. And, you know, Kevin left the room for a minute and they started doing a cover of, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, you know, a minor threat song. I, I would absolutely pick up the mic and, and sing along. That, that would be a lot of fun. 